that was a hell of an opening, dude. It was really well done. So I got to, I got to text him and, and tell him I appreciate that. You know, because I still watch my Canadian feed down here. I can't watch the, the American feed. I just can't do it. Okay, so today's edition of 31 Thoughts, the podcast, Elliot, is going to be a little bit different. There's still going to be hockey talk. We're still going to talk about hockey, but we're going to talk about hockey with Adam Copeland, who wrestles. Wait, as- wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Before we talk about this. I, I, there's a story I have to tell everybody about Jeff for this podcast, okay? Oh, great. Here we go. So it's Adam Copeland, Edge, who's our guest. Yes. And I was really excited to hear that he was being made available to us. So we have a group text, Jeff, myself, and Amal, our fantastic producer. Oh, you can tell this story. And <laughs> Amal sends us a note saying, how would you guys feel about talking to Edge for the podcast? And I'm like, absolutely. And Jeff goes, oh, I was just texting with Adam yesterday. Well, I was. And he didn't mention anything to me. Amal, like, did you feel big shotted? I felt totally big shotted. Please. Listen, I keep in touch with Adam. Uh, this is back to my, <laughs> my previous life covering wrestling uh, on a consistent basis. Um, he's someone I met relatively early in his career. I'm trying to remember if I first met him when he was wrestling with his old gimmick which was and you'll love this elliot sexton hardcastle Mm -hmm. he played like this on the indie scene this uh this porn star professional wrestler and the great story about it was this before val venus i assume this is okay so that leads there so adam is you know scouted by various people in uh in wwe and you know is coming to the company and he's wildly successful on the indies with this sexton hardcastle gimmick but he's too embarrassed to bring it to Vince McMahon thinking that Vince will like sort of laugh it off and not take him seriously. So they kind of went with this loner gimmick edge and he figured, okay, like who's going to buy like some porn star gimmick. And then however many, I don't know whether it was a matter of months, it might've been maybe even one year, all of a sudden Val Venus appeared and was like headlining and making tons of dough using essentially a gimmick that Adam used to use on the indies. But the reason I was just texting him the day before is he either DMs or, or we, we text about about our show on uh, on Wednesday nights because he watches. Like he watches, as you'll find out in this interview, he watches hockey religiously. Like here's mm-hmm. a guy that grew up with the Maple Leafs at the tail end of that uh, Daryl Sittler, Borea Salming, Mike Palmatier, Lanny McDonald era. Um, so as much as his entire life has been about pro wrestling and he'll make no mistake about it, that's number one for Adam Copeland. He's a hardcore Maple Leafs fan and hardcore hockey fan. And in a lot of ways, he's just like any other Canadian kid. You know, he grew up playing ball hockey in his driveway. He grew up playing with the older kids and his uncles in the driveway as a goaltender, you know, loved eating shots you know, getting hit with, you know, plastic balls and frozen tennis balls. So he's not unlike a lot of other kids other than the fact that he's, you know, one of the most wildly successful um, and charismatic professional wrestlers of his generation. But no, that's just because I was just talking to him about our show. And I think he might have mentioned that you made some good points, Elliot Friedman. If I put that (laughs) in our group text, oh, I was just texting with Adam about how good you were last night, Elliot. Would it have made things a lot better? (laughs) Would you not have felt as big-timed? No, no, I still would have ripped you. There's no question about it. I still would have ripped you. You know, one of the things that we talk about in this interview with Adam is Maple Leaf Gardens. And 
I love talking about buildings. Well, Maple Leaf Gardens, I mean, everybody has the place they romanticize with sports, right? Absolutely. Whether it's a rink they played in, an arena they played in, or somewhere they went, Maple Leaf Gardens is, is that place for me. Why is it for you? Like, what do you remember? You know what? We talk about the smell. Yeah. And in wrestling, it was the popcorn. The whole, pl- I don't remember it smelling as much like popcorn for hockey, mm-hmm. but I sure do remember it smelling like popcorn for wrestling. So going to Maple Leaf games and wrestling matches as a kid at Maple Leaf Gardens, a couple of things always come to mind. Walking up the subway steps from Carlton Station to get up there onto uh, onto the street and you see the Maple Leaf Gardens and you look across the street and you see Tunney's office and there's that picture of Andre the Giant in the window. Um, which I would always drive by and check out like, oh yeah, wow, that's where all the that's where the wrestling offices are and that's really cool. But for hockey games, there were two things that always stood out and I was convinced because I couldn't find them anywhere else in the city. I was convinced that the only places, the only place rather, you could get Fresca and Frutella was at Maple Leaf Gardens. So this is 70s and you couldn't find it at convenience store, nowhere, grocery stores, nowhere. So we would go and I would get like a little, you know, they sold those, I think it was like a four by six uh, hockey cards of the Maple Leafs. And they're like a quarter each or something like that. I would grab like a couple of those. We'd go to Doug Laurie Sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, Old timers will remember that one attached to Maple Leaf Gardens. And I would get a pack of Frutella and I get a cup of Fresca and I was happy. And that was it. And I was watching hockey games. But for wrestling, and we talk about this with Adam, the ramp, like that ramp that the wrestlers went on, which by the way, was used for security purposes, not a gimmick. That was a way to keep the wrestlers away from the crowd Mm -hmm. and have them walk above the crowd so nobody would hit them with anything. No grannies would swing their purses, uh, as the old cliche goes, at any of the pro wrestlers going. But the ramp was big. And I remember all those matches. And I would go to hockey games with Dad, NHL, OHA, and WHA. And I'd go to wrestling matches. I'd go to see Tunney shows. I'd go to see Sheik shows. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, like, you're right. Like, that still has it for me. Like, even when I think about it now, all those, you know, my dad, you know, passed away a couple of years ago. And, you know, uh, every now and then I'll, you know, think back to all the times we went to hockey games there and all the times they took me to pro wrestling as well. That is, and I'm guessing it's yours as well, special sports building. I loved it there. I miss it. I miss Maple Leaf Gardens. You know, obviously the modern era, you need the big one, Scotiabank Arena. Every city is going through this. These places are antiseptic compared to what we all saw. Whether you went to the Forum in Montreal or Chicago Stadium in Chicago, you name it. There's the old arena that you remember growing up if you're our generation. The funniest thing I remember about wrestling there is... There was one time where one of the key bad guys was the assassin, and he wrestled in a mask. From Georgia, the assassin. Yeah, they're a great tag team. This was a single And we match. talk about this actually with uh, with The Edge, is that it used to be Mid-Atlantic Wrestling that came up to Canada. Yeah, run co-shows. And with- Mid-Atlantic was based in the Carolinas and, and Virginia. And the assassin had a feud with Handsome Jimmy Valiant for a while. It was a big feud. And he came in... And they had a great match, and it was on a Sunday afternoon. And because it was an afternoon, I kind of hung around. 
And this guy walked out carrying a bag and he was a big, massive guy. Mm-hmm. And he looked like a wrestler. We had no idea who he was. And then one guy just said, the assassin just got ruined for me. And we're like, why? And he goes, that guy was the assassin. <laughs> His real name was Jody Hamilton. Jody Hamilton, yeah, who went on to be a great, great wrestling trainer later on. Yes, and it was just funny. I just remember, I mean, I saw so many good matches, but I, I just remember that. Like, the assassin totally ruined for me because I knew what he looked like. <laughs> but we would all do that, like, at the end of at the end of the car, because I used to go to some of those afternoon shows as well. You would go to the back to the Wood Street entrance slash exit, and there was one door where they all came out, and they all stayed at the Westbury Hotel. But in that era, that was the, the kayfabe or the maintain the fiction. So all the baby faces would go at once, to check into the hotel, then all the heels would go together. So none of the wrestling fans would ever see them like in the lobby together or checking in at the West Parade together. Like you would just never see like that was the lengths that they went to to make sure that the baby faces were on one side and the heels were on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's a different era. You know, we're taping this part after we've done the interview. I enjoyed this one. He was great. He was really good. He was engaged. He was talkative. You know, you obviously know him. I didn't know him before this. Just what a fun, fun person and good talker. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, You'll hear the interview in a couple of moments. Uh, Let's kick off the podcast. Welcome to 31 Thoughts, presented by the GMC Sierra AT4. pleased to be joined by Adam Copeland. You know him as Edge in WWE. Uh, I want to get to the Royal Rumble. Uh, I want to get to your hockey background. I want to get to the room you're in right now because over your right shoulder is a beautiful mask of Mike Palmatier, who was my favorite goaltender. But I want to ask you about the 2010 gold medal hockey game. I'm told there's a story there. It involves you and an arena somewhere in Texas. I believe some bull arena in Texas. What's the story there, Adam? So I want to, it wasn't Laredo might've been Abilene, Texas. So okay. not one of our bigger towns. And uh, Chris Jericho and I wanted to watch the, uh, the gold medal game. And we were on last. It was uh, myself and John Morrison against Jericho and CM Punk. Jericho was world champ at the time. Him and I were in our feud building up to WrestleMania 26 so we go out on one of the crew guys' buses to watch the feed. And uh, we told, you know, uh, Punk and Morrison were like, okay, we're going to go and watch the game. Everything good? Cool. All right. Go up. We watch the game. Now, literally, Sid scores and our music hits. It's like <laughs> that close. So now wow. Jericho and I are on cloud nine for this match opposite each other. And we're supposed to be like hated rivals, but inside we're like, yes, like we did it. Cause of course we did it <laughs> as all of Canada said, we did it. But uh, so we were just ecstatic. Right. And uh, then we get to the back and punks like he wouldn't tag Jericho during the match. 
because he was mad that we went and watched the hockey game. <laughs> so now when I see him tweeting about the Blackhawks all the time, I'm like, well, where was this hockey fandom when we were watching the Olympic gold medal game? So, yeah. Was that game ever in doubt in your mind? I mean, no, because it can't be. We're supposed to win the gold. That's just the way it works, right? I mean, that, that's what we think every year. It doesn't always happen that way, but I think it's probably like the uh, when the Americans play basketball, they're not going to lose. You know, they're just That's not the way this works. I think that's kind of where we were at, but I still like almost shot through the roof of that bus when he scored. <laughs> Here's my question, though. If the overtime had continued... Would you have gone out and wrestled or would you have demanded somebody cut a promo? Yeah, yeah we, here's what probably would have happened. We're like, okay, all right, um, 10 minutes will do, right? Because yeah, Abilene's not going to care. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we would have okay. done what we always do, but I would have been running straight back, still in full gear to see if that game was on, and I would have been in tears if it weren't. <laughs> let me let me take it to another level because I remember um, Lance Evers, Lance Storm, telling me once, "I'm not a professional wrestler. I'm a professional traveler, because that's what we do. We live in airports and we live on planes and rental cars. I'm a <laughs> so professional traveler. So, in that spirit, if you're waiting to get on a flight and the game goes into overtime and you're supposed to board to get to Raw the next day." Do you get on the flight? I check to see if there's backups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I check to see if there's later flights and go, right. Is it possible to switch to that flight <laughs> and still maintain my first class seat? Cause I don't want to sit and coach cause mm -hmm. then I'll get a middle seat. And now I've missed the game and sat in the middle seat. Mm. If there's backup, I'm staying. <laughs> but if there's not, are you on the flight? I think I got to. Oh, wait, wait, Ra's the next day? Yeah. Ah, oh, then I take a morning flight. Okay, it's so close that there are no other flights and you're making a decision. It's overtime or Raw. He just answered the question. He's going to Raw <laughs> as much as it hurts. Yeah, I got to do Raw. I have to because that's, you know, that's just the way I'm wired. But a part of my soul will die. <laughs> that's a great answer. Free. Hopefully not an important part. No, it's just a little part down here. For those of people who can who will watch this on YouTube, you've got some interesting stuff behind you. As Jeff mentioned, there's a Mike Palmatier mask. There's also a goal stick. Is there a significance to the goal stick over your shoulder? That is a game played Marty Brodeur. And um, I love Marty. I just, I love the way he played. I love the Devils as well. Um, that started with Chico Resch. It started with their jerseys. So I, I, I love Marty. So I got Marty all up there. Oh, and the masks. Yeah. Wow. That's all Marty. That's Team Canada. That's St. Louis. That's Jersey. Then I got uh, Cujo. I got Eddie and uh, Felix. And then I got uh, Bunny LaRock, Wayne Thomas. Wow. Oh, good. I also have this little bad boy, too. Oh, yeah. No way. A Toronto Maple Leafs WWE belt. Hang, hang on, hang on a second. I want to, I want to see the plate. Uh, the second plate to the left. Yeah, does that see Toronto Arenas? Oh, that's a great touch. Arenas and wait. What's the, okay? What's the story behind the on oh, the St. Pat's? Oh, that's great. Okay, what's the story there, Adam? So, um, well, being a wrestler, this is kind of what everything is based around. Uh, and I saw this on Instagram. 
you know, the, this toy company. And I reached out, I was like, Hey, what is that? And how do I not have one? So, <laughs> so next thing I know, uh, I have one and, and it takes a, a, a nice spot. Uh, actually it takes a nice spot right beside Wendell painted on a tabletop hockey game. That's so cool. Wow. Like you're like, leg, like legit super leaf fan. I, I was saying to you off air, like, I love the fact that as a wrestling fan, I was called a mark for so many years. And now in hockey, I can call you a hockey mark. You absolutely like, can. I, I love, I love this ad. I'm like, this is fan. So when did this start for you? And who are your, and who are your first guys? So, I, I mean, it really started as early as I Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we do that, I have to ask this question, okay? So, you just won your big match, the Royal yeah. Rumble, this week. If somebody said to you, watch this interview, and said to you, Edge, I want to challenge you for your Maple Leaf belt, would you put it up in the ring? Well, yeah, but they'd stand no chance. If that's on the line, I annihilate them. <laughs> I'm not losing that thing. <laughs> so who are your guys? Who are your who are your guys when you grew up? Because I see Paul Mateer over your shoulder, and that was Paul Mateer and Salming were my guys. So that is the era, the, the Harold Ballard years, really. Um, yeah. and, and that's because that was when my entire family would sit around the TV and and we'd watch hockey. So I remember sitting on my grandpa's foot and he'd do like a horse ride and, and we'd, I'd be watching hockey and I'd be watching Paul Mateer and watching Rick Vive and, uh, you know, Sittler and Salming. And, and it just, there was something about the way it looked, the way it felt, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, like it, it, it just everything about it appealed to me. And I can't explain it except that you almost have to be Canadian to really understand it, I think, to really feel that, that strange thing that you feel as a Canadian when you see hockey or you hear that Hockey Night in Canada music. It takes me back. It takes me back to innocence and childhood and discovering this amazing thing that I've been a lifelong fan of ever since. Mm. And it resonated with me on so many levels. And it also brought me close to my uncles because we'd go out after and play street hockey and they're way older than me and they are just drilling the ball at me and <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm trying to make that glove safe. I'm getting beamed. I'm catching them in the armpits. Yeah. Like I, I remember having a bruise in my armpit for probably three weeks from stopping one of my uncle's slap shots. And it hurt so bad, but I was so proud. <laughs> <laughs> no, you hang on. So you mentioned Maple Leaf Gardens there. And Maple Leaf Gardens and Elliot's to say, like, this is a special building. Yeah. For people growing up in Toronto. And, and you're from Orangeville. And I'm sure you went to Maple Leaf Gardens plenty of times. But for me, Maple Leaf Gardens wasn't just hockey. It was also wrestling. Like, I used to go to see all those tiny shows when they ran with Mid-Atlantic. So the top three matches were all Mid-Atlantic matches. My very, you'll love this one. My first main event, I can remember, I went with my dad. I remember getting, walking up the stairs, coming off the subway and going into Maple Leaf. The first main event that I ever saw was over the U.S., uh, Mid-Atlantic U.S. title. Yeah. was Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. And I remember leaving, I know, right? So I peaked early. So I remember leaving the, leaving the arena thinking that all wrestling was like that. Little did I know, I, I probably had seen like one of the best in-ring fuse like ever. Like these guys brought the house down, right? Like fantastic. 
and I used to go see, you know, Sheik would run every month coming up from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, Nat Tarab, the Tarovsky brothers, who were photographers at Maple Leaf Gardens, both hockey and wrestling as well. So that's what it always meant to me. What do Maple Leaf Gardens mean to you? You know, here's what I loved about Maple Leaf Gardens is that it looked like no other arena. We had the ramp. And that ramp. Oh, man. That, where is it? Do you know where it is? I have no idea. But that ramp made Maple Leaf Gardens like no other building. No other building looked like that. And here's what it did for me. So my first show uh, that I went to at Maple Leaf Gardens, the main event was Jesse the Body Ventura and Macho Man Randy Savage against Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana. Yeah. Also on that card was King Kong Bundy against Hillbilly Jim. When King Kong Bundy got up on that ramp, I had never seen a human being that big in my life. And my little brain exploded because human beings aren't made like that. Like you, you would see it on TV, but that's when the enormity of these guys really landed on me. And I went, Oh my God, these truly are superheroes come to life for me. Because, yeah, I can read about the Incredible Hulk and Thor and Daredevil, but I can't touch them. I can feasibly go smack hands with King Kong Bundy. What does that feel like? Maple Leaf Gardens, like the smell and Mm -hmm. and the session stands and that one light over the ring. So good. It's so good. It's so good. And I miss that element now. Everything is so polished and looks so professional and I appreciate it's it. so bright. And I understand it. I do. But man, give me that single light over the ring. Hall. Oh. You know what? You Hang on. You know what that does? Elliot and I have talked about this before when it comes to hockey and you don't see this anymore because hockey's have just like the lights on the ring yeah. and everything else. Everything else was dark and wrestling was like that specifically at the gardens. And you know what you got that you don't have anymore in either sport because all these buildings have the audacity to be well lit now. You had shadows mm-hmm. and the shadow game is gone oh. either in wrestling or in hockey, in all sports, the shadow game has vanished. It's completely gone. You go back and you see a picture of, let's say, I don't know, Johnny Bauer and, and boom, boom, Jeffrey on's coming down on him. Right. Yep. It just, the, the look of that, like those are the pictures I grew up with. Those are the pictures that I grew up drawing and trying to get onto paper and yeah. there's something special about that. And, and it really does. It just harkens back to childhood and all of those fond, amazing memories or trying to do that out on the rink in the backyard or, just, you know, it just, it was special. It really was. And uh, I, I get that everything evolves. I understand that. And I think mm-hmm. every generation and every era pines for what they grew up on. I think that's normal. And I think you'll have a generation of kids now watching that will pine for today's product 20 years from now. That's the nature of it. But gosh, it looked, to me, it looks so much cooler back then. <laughs> you know, I, I don't see why there's any reason you can't, because it's still there. Now, it's obviously not the same, but you know, Ryerson plays their sports events in it. I wonder if you could make a small wrestling card at Maple Leaf Gardens and set it up the way it used to be set. I mean, I would be all in for that. That ramp. You need the the key is the ramp, though. Adam's right. You need the ramp. Need the ramp. You, you know, the they have these things called tools, Jeff. You could build a new ramp. <laughs> if you build like, it. if you can't un- find un- the old one, you could build a new ramp. Unfamiliar with this techno- this fancy technology of yours, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> what are these things you speak of? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I'm watching you now, and the incredible recovery and return you have. 
I don't see why you couldn't say, you know, one last time I'd like to recreate the old, you know, we'd have to burn popcorn for a month beforehand <laughs> so you could smell like that. And you don't exactly have the same seats, but you could create a small with that lighting. I bet you, you could do it. Get back in the old before barn. You're done. I, I'm, yeah. Hey, but before it's all said and done, who knows? Maybe that could be a, a nice place for the last one. For the very, yeah. very last one. That, that would great. seem fitting. Like that would be, I'd be bawling all night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I, I have no shame. I, I will fully admit that. If I could wrestle a match in Maple Leaf Gardens, I would be a blubbering idiot. Oh, man, it would be awesome. My first one was Sergeant Slaughter, Black Jack Mulligan for the U.S. title. Wow. And I would love, I'd be right in there with you and Jeff. Just watch. It just, it brings back so many great memories. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Part of your story is injuries and recovery. And I remember having a conversation with uh, with Chris Jericho. This is at like a hotel by the airport in Toronto after like a WCW show. This was when there were more uh, Japanese and Mexican wrestling influences in WCW at the time. And it was high spot, high spot, high spot. And Chris was talking about how, you know, when he was younger, that was it. Like, that's what he wanted to do. And that's how he wanted to wrestle. And then he said something that always stuck with me. And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this one. If you had the same experience, he said, Jeff, look, what you don't understand is everything changes after your first injury. Until then, you feel invincible. You're bouncing around. You're an Indian rubber ball. Like, you can do whatever you want. After the first injury, it all changes. Did it for you? And how did, like, how did you adapt? I realize there's repercussions now. You know, because up until, yeah, you just assume, yeah, I can do that. I can get through that. Yep. I did not listen, though. <laughs> that, was, that was my main problem, is I just continued to go, okay, uh, right. Spear through a flaming table with thumbtacks on my back? Got it. Okay. Yeah. An AA off a ladder through two tables in Toronto? Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, a last yeah. ride powerbomb off a ladder through two tables. Yeah, got it. Now, by this point, all of those things that I said, I already have a fusion in my neck, but I still did them. Yeah. I don't, I was my own worst enemy a lot of the time. Then it was taken away and, and pulled from me. And in coming back this time, I realized that I need to finally listen. And in listening, hold on a second, I can tell better stories, I think, because I can tell those stories with my eyes and I can tell those stories with my promos and I can try and be more nuanced and layered and bring in elements that I learned in nine years of, of acting. And hold on a second, maybe I can be better than I was without leaning on, yeah, I'll go through the two tables. Sure, got it, no problem. Well, it is it is a problem because it hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, can we just pause on something you said there? Because that's really interesting. I remember back when I was covering wrestling full-time, I can't remember who said it to me. Someone with WWE, obviously, because it was a Vince McMahon quote. And it was talking about, you know, how you make your money, how you make your money. And Vince stopped him and said, you make your money with your face. Yeah. That's where you make money. You guys are thinking, oh, you got to have big bodies and do, you know, big bumps and all that stuff. You make money with your face. You sell That's that That's why emotion. Adam's made more money, Jeff. Than yeah, you way right. more yeah. money than you and me combined. <laughs> we were just talking off air a second ago about how you lost a beard and Adam's <laughs> all disappointed in you. Um, but does that resonate with you that you make your money in wrestling with your face, with selling that emotion? I mean, it, it's true. And, and what's interesting with it, because 
you know, for instance, if you're doing Ford Field, okay, there's 85,000 people there. So you're telling the story with your face, but it has to be bigger because you have to try and translate it to someone 85,000 people away. Okay. So there's that. When I got to acting and they're doing my close-ups and I'm still doing those wrestling things and directors are coming up to me going, what are you doing? I, was, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What am I doing? Talking to the back of the crowd like I'm supposed yeah, to do, right? that's what you do, right? And, and yeah. um, this one director said, don't do it. And then I said, can you show me? And she showed me and I looked like a maniac. And I realized when a camera can pick up your nose hairs, you really need to dial everything back. But in coming back here and in coming back, you know, without audiences, I was like, wait a second. I can use those skills, those new tools that I have they'll work in a different way and hit in a different way than my promos did before, because now the minutia, the, the little tiny things are going to get picked up the tone, all of those differences, even in terms of wrestling with Randy at backlash, when I tore the tricep, I was able to do some things that normally wouldn't have been picked up if it's in a full arena. And that will be a strange transition going back to a crowd. I can't wait. But some of those little details that I've really enjoyed being able to get out, you know, I don't know if they're going to get picked up. You know, one of the biggest stories this week in hockey was Brian Burke. And, you know, he he liked TV and he was good at it, but nothing. When he called and said he was going to Pittsburgh, the, the thrill and the excitement, nothing will equal trying to compete for a championship yeah. for him. And I, I'm watching you and I'm, I'm watching you as you won and, and you, you know, you, you have a successful podcast, you have a successful career outside of wrestling, you have a family you've done, but I, I understand the pull of this is what I was born to do. This is who I am. And I'm 47. I've battled back injury, but the accomplishment of getting back in there and hitting the top to me, it's like when someone wins the Stanley cup, Everything is validated. And in that moment, I just wonder what it meant to you knowing everything you'd been through to get back. Uh, you know, I truly do feel like that I am one of the lucky few that found what it is that he was supposed to do. And I, I don't look past that because the odds are astronomical that you find that thing that you know you were meant to do. And this is all I ever wanted to do. Like there was no anything else. Anything I did was geared toward this. I, I went to Humber for television and radio with the idea that it could help me with my promo skills and my timing. Hmm. That's why I went and did that. And, and it did help. So to have it taken away, to fight to get it back, and then to get injured in my third match back, I mean, a lot of people I'm sure probably went, okay, you're done, dude. Like you got to stop. But that never entered into my brain. I got this thing back. I got to see this through now. And not only that, but I feel like I can tell better stories now. And that is, is so exciting to me. It is sinking my teeth into this whole new era of talent. And if I can in any way help them, along their path, the way I was helped along by the Rick Martells and the Bad News Browns and the, and the Leo Burks and the Bret Harts and all of these guys imparted so much wisdom to me and helped me so much along the way. If I can in any way pay that back, that's extremely exciting. Now, 
I wouldn't do it if I didn't feel I could still do it at a, at a, at a certain level. I don't want to go out and embarrass myself. I don't want to be a shell of my former self. I don't want to just do the greatest hits. I want to come back and make a difference. And I think the rumble was a little bit of that validation. Like, yeah, I can be in here for an hour at 47 years old and keep up. And, and I, I don't know how I'm doing it sometimes. I think it's stupidity and stubbornness, but it's just, it's also, <laughs> it's I, you. I love it. And it's you. And one thing I will say is that I just get back up and uh, that that's just, I, you know, it, I just, I, I, I will always get back up and I want to get back up until I can see this through and walk away from it going, okay, there. I just needed that closure. And that's what this, this is about. So it hits on multiple fronts. I want to I help new talent. I want to tell great stories. And then I want to be able to walk away and go there, there. I know that was my last match. And it, it, the rug wasn't pulled out from under me while I was world champ. Mm-hmm. You know what you figured out? You know what that sounds like? You figured out the way to make how you live the same as why you live. Like when I hear you talk like that, there's how you live and there's why you live and yeah. you put it together. And that's like that special spot that I think everybody hopes to get to. I want to get to one because I know our time is limited. I want to get to one question that I've always wondered about and everyone's got a different answer for it. The answer for me is it's okay to be a villain. What do you think wrestling can teach other sports? Sports in general, hockey specifically, does not ever embrace the idea of being a villain. Everybody wants to be the good guy and I want to be respected and I want to be... Wrestling teaches us that when it comes to entertainment, when there is a dollar available, that's the wrong way to think. So that's always been my answer. But what's yours? What can wrestling teach other sports? I think to revel in the fact to, to not take yourself too seriously. Take what you do seriously, but that doesn't mean you need to take yourself seriously. Hmm. When I have a match, I'm thinking about it. Like there's nights I don't sleep and I am constantly like my brain is like this weird alchemist trying to put this series of things together to try and tell this story. But I also realize I'm jumping around in tights and, (laughs) and if that can make people smile and if that can make people laugh or it can make people angry, if it can elicit emotion, that's why we do it. That's why I loved it. That's why I loved hockey. I loved when I saw Tiger Williams with that stick between his legs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. That's right. The Vancouver goal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, feel flurry to like sliding down the ice. <laughs> I, I want to, because now I know mm-hmm. how much you care. And mm-hmm. that to me, I think is just, you can take it serious, but you can also have fun. And here's what happens as a viewer when you know that the athletes are having fun or the performer is having fun. You have fun too. Mm-hmm. You live vicariously through that. And, and that is a, that's a beautiful relationship. Here's my last one. Kyle Dubas, the Maple Leafs general manager, big wrestling fan. Just any interaction between the two of you guys? And will this Maple Leaf group win a Stanley Cup. So, dun, 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 dun. so uh, we follow each other on Instagram and, and we compare notes and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're recommending trades to Kyle now, Adam? Is that I, the deal? <laughs> I love what he did. I love, love, love what he did for this team this year. I have, I sound like your classic Leafs fan, I know, but I have such a good feeling. Like we have a season where the Leafs and the Habs are one and two. What the hell? 
I inject this in my veins. Like I am all about this. <laughs> I am so happy and I am so excited. And I'm excited for the Habs too. I think it's great. I love the changes they made, but I look at the Leafs and I've been talking about Simmons for a few years. I'm like, we got to get Wayne. We got to get Wayne. Yeah. Got to get Wayne. That's the kind of guy we need. That's the kind of guy that went, man, when he got in that fight with Chabot and he went, come on. And he looked at the bench. I was like, Whoa. I was so fired up. I was like, that's, that's the guy we needed. And then you got Joe Thornton and, and I love Spezza and I love the way he's playing. And it's like, he's realizing the chance that he's getting at this point in his career and he's taking full opportunity with it. I, I love Campbell as backup. When, when he got hurt and he would not go out, I went, man, that team is going to play for that guy. That team is going to die on their sword for that guy. And that's what I feel like the Leafs have been missing is that team that will die on their sword for their guys. And now they have that core group of guys that I think instills that and, and have that experience and have been in the trenches like that. And now you have these younger players who have, have dipped their toes in that, like Matthews and Marner and, and, and Nylander and all of these guys, ridiculously talented. Yeah. They needed those guys. And I think you're starting to see now that, okay, there's a package here that I think finally, 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 of course it's in the pandemic year, but man, I am so psyched for this team and no matter where they go, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be happy, but ugh, like, I feel good. I, I feel good probably. <laughs> All right. My last one. And I, and I do, I, I should have done this off the top, the, the, the rumble, like congratulations. Like that's a remarkable athletic achievement to, yeah. to do what you did you know, for as long as you did like that, that's remarkable. I know even more special, that's mm -hmm. an event created by Pat Patterson Yes, and Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens, one of the best tag teams ever, one of the best at ever laying out a mat. I know how important he was to all you guys. Yeah. I, I understand all that. I want to end on a funny story. So what does Adam Copeland say when I put these words and people together? Gosh, Iraq, Saddam's palace, JBL, Undertaker and Vince McMahon. Oh, and I'll throw in Blazing Saddles as well. <coughs> Horrific gas. <laughs> <laughs> and there was mine. What's the story? So, oh my God. So we, we had flown over on, on one of the military planes and the seats are straight and they're steel. And like, I hung a hammock from these giant pallets, like, it was it was a train wreck in terms of like the travel to get there and then we're eating you know that dried food it was it did not agree well with my stomach and i was on a top bunk <laughs> and in this room was vince jbl myself and undertaker and i had one had seeped out and i was i just started giggling because i knew what effect this was going to have on the room. And I think it was Taker was below me and he felt the movement and he went, oh no, like he knew, he knew what was coming. And uh, so I, I, I dropped a, a human scud basically on, on everyone. And um, uh, yeah, it, it was bad. It was bad. Can't lie. That may be the best end to any interview, Adam, <laughs> that we've ever done on this We're not going to top that. No. But, oh, that's it. Time to go home. Wrap it up, boys. Uh, Adam, this has been a lot of fun. Congrats on the Rumble. Like, listen, it's so good to see you again. 
Uh, great catching up. You're in great spirits. You're in great shape, obviously, as well. Nothing but uh, continued success with the WWE. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And, and I'll be watching. I'll be watching you guys. And, uh, you know, and my wife's just like, look at you. I'm like a little kid watching you guys. So <laughs> it's it's a it's a symbiotic uh, back and forth relationship. Just make sure you say, it's hey, look how, how good looking is that host or what? Wow, that guy's looking <laughs> sharp. Huh? Who needs Ron McClain? Look at that guy. Exactly. Look at Merrick, man. Ooh. Fresh off the runways of, well, Stouffville. Uh, thanks for this, Adam. Much appreciated. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> Here's the thing, Adam, if they do win the cup, you're coming up and you're co-hosting parade coverage. I'm I'm in. And and I tell you what, I'm gonna present them with one of these belts. Oh, then And that can be their player of the game thing. That's the deal. You'll come up, you'll be part of the parade coverage. It's a deal. We'll make it work. Done. Way to end the interview, Merrick. Well, you don't like that? Oh, my God. I know people will find that hilarious. Actually, of course, I find that hilarious. Mm. But I guarantee you there's going to be somebody who's going to say to us, this podcast is too classy to end an interview like that. Elliot, I got news for you. Nobody. It's not that classy. Nobody (laughs) is going to say that. And as a matter of fact, what we just did was put the ass in class. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so that's Adam Copeland. What a wonderful guy. You know him as Edge in WWE. Congrats on, on winning the Royal Rumble, which from an athletic point of view, to be in the ring that long, to be around the action that long is exhausting. And here's a guy, Elliot, as you point out in the interview, injuries are part of the story here for him. Like, inju- like significant injuries are part of his game. This week is a total reminder to me that you are who you are and it's it's very difficult to change that you know the thing that he's lucky about very lucky about is that at 47 years old you can still wrestle mm-hmm. most athletes at 47 they can't do what they love to do he still has the opportunity and that's a great thing for him i asked around uh just for people who might know him a bit Obviously, I'm not as plugged into the wrestling world as you are. And that's one of the questions they talked about was getting to go back into it. And I thought about Berkey, who I brought up in the interview, Hmm. just about how excited he was because he's as much as he likes TV, it's not in his blood. Like competing, being on a team, competing and trying to build a championship team is. Yeah. And I'm happy for people, especially now when life has been as hard as it's been, he can say, I can still do it. I can still do what I'm born to do. And um, I am a wrestling fan, not to the same level you are, but I am. And uh, I was really happy for him watching that match. Well, like, like, listen, like, like I said in the interview to Adam, like I'm always happy when I see people hit that magical intersection of how you live and why you live being in the exact same place. Like he's there. Mm -hmm. He's in that spot. Like, Take any sports analogy, you know, ask a, ask a baseball player, like, what does it feel like when a fastball hits your bat at the perfect spot and it leaves the yard? It's like, you don't feel it. Like you're going, you're going right through it. Ask guys that rip one-timers, like ask Ovechkin about his one-timer, like the most perfect one-timer he's ever taken. Does he feel it? No. 
It's just his body and everything around him is just one thing. And at that moment, that's what he was put on the earth to do. Mm -hmm. I think Adam's aware of that. That's why he's here. How he lives is also why he lives. I'm happy for him. Uh, thanks to Adam Copeland for stopping by the podcast today. And thanks to the WWE for making him available for us. Taking us out today is a band from Vancouver, British Columbia, who've been part of the Canadian music scene for over a decade. With their latest single, I Feel the Transition, here are the Zolos on 31 Thoughts, the podcast.